0: says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. I had promised you that I was going to have Cameron, my little son. I have a video of him doing the Bible declaration. I thought it downloaded, but I wanted to show it for two reasons. One, because we do our Bible declaration and two, because I heard a pastor say that if I show you pictures of my kids, you'll listen more to me. So I was hoping to keep everyone awake, but I'll trust that you're awake and you're ready to receive. We're going to be starting a message today called Covenant Benefits. It's a teaching that comes birthed from our senior pastor out of Anaheim. So we have the privilege of sitting under his teaching and then bringing it here to you guys. So we're going to be in two places mainly this morning, and let's turn now to Genesis 12. I want you to imagine this morning that you've just gotten hired at a new place of work and they're about to roll out for you your benefits package. And let me tell you, it is a good one. And you're in this meeting and you're expectant. you're going to hear some things this morning about the benefits that are available to you as a believer. And I hope that after we leave today, something of, of hope is ignited in you for what you're a part of. Amen. We're going to be in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. In this text, God comes to one man and says to him, and you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So blessed. So God is not just speaking to Abram regarding his family, but he's speaking to Abraham with you in mind. It says, Abraham, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How many of you are on earth? Three of you? Someone. How many of you are in the house of God today? So you're included in this promise. This promise is for you. He says in verse 2 of chapter 12, Genesis, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Well, can you imagine this? This is a guy, just a regular guy. He's being told by God Almighty, I'm going to make you a great nation. A nation. Can you imagine a human being told, I'm going to make you a nation? There's a landlord, Abram says, And people already occupy this land. And God is saying, I know, I'm going to get those people out of the land. I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to multiply you and make you a great nation. Can you imagine? We get in the word of God, and we think this is common. God is radical. He speaks radical vision to ordinary people for extraordinary results. So he's telling Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation and Abram's like, are you serious? First of all, he's got the odds stacked against him. He's in his 70s. Okay, so you're thinking like, I mean, you, like 20-year-olds think they've missed their life because they haven't. Can you, you? That's this generation. They think like, I'm 24 and I haven't made a million. But Where's my life? Is this going to happen for me? Imagine this guy, 70 years old at the time. God's coming into him and he's got a barren wife. I'm going to multiply you, make you a great nation, and his wife is barren, and he's old. He says, in, It says in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is Abram, and he's from a place called Ur. Abram from Ur. <laughs> Abram from Ur is going to be this blessed man and all the nations and all the people of the earth are going to be blessed through Abram from Ur that's like we used to have this joke about Riverside but I know there's people from (laughs) is anyone from Riverside holla I love Riverside but you know there's those jokes like that or we talked about those places like are just pit stops you know Abram from Ur ordinary guy barren wife, old in years, 70 years old, and God is coming to him and telling him this great thing. Everyone knows Father Abraham. You, come on, guys. You know that song? Yeah. Ready? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. Okay, see? <laughs> Popular, right? Because when the Word of God comes and gives a promise It's no joke. It will exceedingly bear fruit, popularity, gain ground, see results. Look, everyone knows that song who's been in the house of God in the church. And then we also know that three major religions, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, all call him Father Abraham. I'm not saying God intended for all these other religions, but we are clarifying. Abraham's popular. Abraham's popular. He's talked about, and that is the power of God when he makes a covenant or a promise with a man. He keeps his word and it increases over time. The power of God's promises do not weaken over time. Did you hear me? The power of God's promises in your life do not weaken over time. You may not see it yet, but they are not weakened. They are not weakened. The power of God's promises do not weaken over time. And thank God that Abraham believed God when he was given the promise and started to walk with him. He believed God and began to walk with God. Let's go to Genesis 17 verses 1 through 4. When Abram was 99 years old, it's, got, it's gotten older. It's been 24 years or so since the promise. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him some more, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of many nations. This is 24 years after the original promise, the Lord appears back to him and says, I am Almighty God. You ever been in that situation? There's some time past when you heard a promise and you're trying to believe for those things to come to pass. I know my dad has been believing for probably 30 years for salvation for my brother who walked away from the things of God when he went to college and began to get smart, you know? (laughs) And he reasoned himself out of faith because he's a brilliant thinker. Sometimes you got to keep it simple for the smart ones, you know? (laughs) Simple, simple. But 30 years every day he's going before the Lord for salvation, for for ministers to come towards my brother and, and speak to him. So this is 24 years after God gave the promise to Abram and he's not seen it happen. In fact, since then, he's gotten a little older and not to be, but there's no pills for Abram. There's nothing to help him and his wife have be a little more fruitful. And his wife is barren. There's no pills. There's nothing you can take to help this situation. They're older now. And the Bible even says in Romans that describes Abram's body as good as dead. So it's not just his wife's problem, he's got a problem too, and no resources to help him in this situation. Looks unlikely, looks impossible. You have any impossible situations in your midst? You have some things that you think, God, you gave me a promise, but this looks as good as dead. I'm telling you, hold on here. You're going to see the goodness of the Lord. You ever felt like that? Promise, lots of time passes, things look even worse then before, you're like, this looks not, not even just the same. This looks worse. It looks like things are getting worse, Lord. He fell on his face before God and talked with him. I love that. I love his heart before the Lord. Fell right on his face, and God began to talk to him. Abraham believed God, and he walked with God. Between the the place of promise and the manifesting, there's the in-between. Anyone spend some time in the in-between? I felt like I bought an apartment in the in-between. Sometimes I set up residence in the in-between, but it's not your place to remain. But in that in-between season, Abraham walked with God. He didn't compromise. He didn't take matters into his own hands. He didn't try and bear fake fruit. He just waited on God. He waited on God. He believed the Lord. God unfolds greater plans. Listen to this. In the original promise, God tells Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation. And then he comes to him in this text and says, and as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of many nations. So in those 24 years that passed, he goes from being told a nation to many nations. I want someone in the house of God who just heard that to realize that while you've been waiting, while you've been waiting, the vision of God has been expanding over your life. I'm telling you, someone needs to give God some praise because you have just realized that you're waiting is expanding the vision God has for you. Nothing's changed. Still a nation. That's mighty. But in the meantime, God has made bigger and greater promises to Abraham. You have no idea this morning how big the plan of God is for you. Receive the promises of God. Believe the promises of God. Your job is to believe. God, I believe that you're in our midst and my kids will be saved. God, I believe that you're going to deliver me on the other side of this oppression or depression or whatever thing. This financial mountain is coming down. You've promised me that if I'm a tither, you just trust the Lord and he will begin to expand promises. will go 24 years, but he went from a nation to the father of many nations. Whoo! Galatians 3. 13 and through Jesus this promise is going to come to pass. It says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive, we might receive the promise of the spirit Through faith. When God came to Abram and made his covenant between God and his seed, God and Abraham made a covenant and he believed God. And 500 years later, after this, the Jewish people are coming out of Egypt. With Moses, and they are given the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments represent about 600-plus laws or statutes or way to live. So within those Ten Commandments, 620-something commandments on how to live, how to treat people, how to deal with conflict. If you're, you have your friend's donkey and the donkey falls in a ditch, who's responsible? That kind of stuff, important stuff, you know? Basic. <laughs> Stuff that makes total sense to us in South Orange County. The right way to live. (laughs) These laws are the right way to live. The statutes, how you punish people out of alignment. Who's responsible for what? God knew that the people would not be able to obey the law. God knew when the law was given that the people would not be able to obey the law, and they would realize their need for a savior. The law was given to provoke them to long for a savior. So when Jesus came, there would be a longing and they would see it and they would recognize there's no way you and I cannot keep the law. You know what the law does? And this is a word from the Lord. This is not part of the notes. But if you kept the law, you had the blessings of covenant. But if you broke the law, you were cursed. The law condemns. I need to stop for one minute because the Lord prompted me in my studies that there are people that are sitting under condemnation this morning. I want to pause for a moment and say I received a letter this week from a family, a new family who visited our church. And in essence, she said the winds of adversity have swept through our family this week. And she went on to say, the root of all problems is, in essence, condemnation. We've been talking about roots and fruits, haven't we? At the root of problems is condemnation. And condemnation causes great fear. And fear is the root of all stress. So you can imagine at the deepest place, condemnation. And then after that, you see fear. And fear, so fear, stress, those things are the leaves on the plant, but the root is condemnation. Co- condemnation, there will be fear when you're under condemnation. There will be stress when you're under condemnation, and there will be manifestations of the curse. The covenant benefits to you and I are described in Psalm 103 Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. So if you're under condemnation, you don't feel forgiven. He heals all your diseases. If you're bound with sickness and bondage in your body, you could be feeling under condemnation and the curse. Who redeems your life from destruction? If your life is in turmoil and it's under destruction, you could be in under condemnation and feeling like, This is not how I expected it to be. This looks like the destroyer is destroying rather than fruitfulness and life more abundantly. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. If you have a voice speaking into your life in the night hours that is unkind, intolerant, and impatient, you could be under condemnation who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Are you fatigued? Are you downtrodden? Are you feeling heavy burdened? You could be under condemnation. So when you see the issues, these issues, destruction, um, sickness, um, bondage, uh, deterioration erupt in your life. These are the opposite of the benefits of God's promise to us we need to realize on these points that we have an enemy and his name is satan which is hebrew the hebrew word for satan means prosecutor of the law the law the commandments the commandments the law made us long for a savior and we're going to get to that we need to ask ourselves am i under condemnation which is always the enemy Conviction is of God. I describe conviction like this. Okay, when Joel goes to Target, this is the difference. Get in and get out, right? That's him. He needs soap. He will go in, get soap, and get out. Anyone else shop like that? That's a good, (laughs) that's conviction. The Holy Spirit, whenever he has dealt with me on things in my life, get in and get out. He'll say, Anna, I don't want you talking like that might be okay for them, not okay for you. Okay, Lord, I receive it. That's how it looks. When you are sitting under condemnation, just imagine this. It's days. It's not a get in and get out. It's me at Target. I go in for soap. I don't even leave with soap. I have like 87 things that I don't need. That's the devil. No, I'm telling you, when you can imagine conviction of the Holy Spirit He will come quickly and swiftly. He will dress you and he will be gone. He doesn't sit there and lie to you and torment you and call you a loser. He might say, I want you to grow in the area of fatherhood with your kids. And then he's out and he leaves out with you the condemnation, the devil will come and say, you're not a good father. Your father wasn't a good father. That's the voice of the evil one. And many people are sitting condemned today in many places in the house of God. And God came to bring victory. He'll show us, he'll reveal things, but that is not him. If you are sitting under that, we're going to pray over you today. God is going to lift that off of you. As soon as you recognize it, you can come out into the wide space, the green pastures. You are not condemned this morning. Amen? Side note. Side note. Galatians 3 says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. A covenant was made with Abram and his descendants, the Jewish people. When Jesus was here and ministering on earth and people were getting healed, it was under the Abrahamic covenant. This was just for Jewish people. This was not for everyone. Only the Jewish people were being healed and blessed under this covenant. You know that there was a period in history in downtown Los Angeles where a lot of Jewish people were occupying land there. It was very fruitful, but it began to be some anti-Semitism coming at them. The Jewish people, and you know the Jewish people are blessed of God. Have you heard the ratios of the Nobel Prize winners and inventors and the, the amount of them that are Jewish? It's just the blessing of God is on the Jewish people. Amen? So anyways, this point of history, Pastor Jerry told us this, there was this uh, the area of downtown Los Angeles, but the Jews were being really just persecuted. So they began to relocate and set up Um, their territory, and another area. You know what that territory is known as today? Beverly Hills. And I'm not talking the Beverly Hillbillies. I'm talking Beverly Hills. Affluent, wealthy, prosperous. God's hand is on the Jewish people. God made a covenant with Abraham, and he said, I'm going to make and multiply all your people. So that's the Jews. But then the The Bible says that Jesus came as a mediator so that you and I, the Gentiles, the other people, could be receiving that same blessing that God promised over the Jewish people for you and I. Let's get into that. There's a blood covenant. Oh, wait. But in Galatians 3, 3, through Jesus, the blessing is coming on the Gentiles in Christ. Yes. Yes. Those who make Jesus their Lord, you're included, you and I, as a descendant of Abraham. So every blessing and promise over the Jewish people, we are now receiving those same promises. Abram said to God, God, how will I know that you're going to do this for us? Let's read in Genesis 15. I feel excited this morning. I feel a little bit like... Okay, God's covenant with Abram. After these things, the the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abram. God's made him a promise. He's asking God, how's this going to happen? God says to Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abraham said, oh, Lord, what will you give me? For I continue childless. Good question. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. Say that with me. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you the land to, the, to possess. But he said, O Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer. Three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all of these. They cut them in half. This is what they did to make a blood covenant in those times. They would cut the animal in half. Can you imagine a cow? Like, what do you even use to cut a cow in half? And it's not like the cow's like, get me right about here. No, this is a big deal. So they would cut the animals in half. They would separate them. The pool of blood would go into the middle of the animal, and then they would do this thing where they would march through the animal like in a figure eight, you would imagine, but really it's an infinity sign. And so they would march, they would have feel the blood on their feet, they would do this gory and grotesque thing, and then the two people would essentially slit their own wrists and let their blood drip down as they raised their right hand. And we still see that done in a court of law, where they will swear, raise your right hand, I solemnly swear, this is from this. Now we don't slit our wrists anymore in a court of law. But this is what that's from. Get the heifer, the female goat, cut the animals in half, the blood pools in the middle. They walk through, forming a a figure eight infinity sign. They slit their wrist and let the blood pour down. Two people would cut their wrist and raise their right hand. God did all of this with Abraham. He said, I'm swearing to you, but I cannot cut the covenant with you because Abraham was sinful. We needed a perfect covenant without sin, without spot, without blemish. But I am using you, Abraham, to get to a man that will not have sinful blood. Your great-grandson, born of a virgin, he will fulfill all of the commandments, and I will make a covenant with you for all of mankind through him. Before the cross, Jesus was only coming to those in covenant, He was only there to do it for the Jews. And at the cross, he's about to cut covenant with you and I. His flesh had to be cut. He is the mediator, Jesus, representing both sides. In Roman crucifixion, they would put the the iron spikes, not through the hands, but through the wrists. And they would extend the arms up like this, just like you would see in a blood covenant before Christ, where they would do that between one another to make, I solemnly swear, I will keep my promise. And then here we have this imagery of Jesus on the cross with the spikes through his wrists and blood pouring out, perfect, sinless blood coming to make a promise to you and I, that he is fulfilling his promise and his covenant with you and I. There is no deterioration in the promise. All the benefits of Christ belong to us. You can say today there is healing available to you. There is restoration available to you. There is tender mercies. Does anyone just need the tender mercies of a loving father this morning to wash over hardened places? We get so hard. You know what I mean? We just put up this our guard. We're so defensive. God's tender mercies want to flow this morning over you. He is faithful and good. There's an example of this. Are you guys with me? You know how, you, for those in the house of God that know me, you know I'm just like a, I just teach inspired. So this is deep, but this is good. This is the truth of what we are, have access to and what belongs to us as Christians, covenant people. When we say, he, you're in covenant, you know what that means now. He shed his blood as, to show his faithfulness to the promises over your life and my life. Listen to this in chapter 7 of Mark, verse 24. This was before um, Jesus' cut covenant for the Gentiles, for the Greek, for the other people. It says, a Syrophoenician woman, her faith she and from here there he arose and went away to the region another region and he entered a house and did not want anyone to know Jesus gets tired too he needs to rest he did not want anyone to know yet he could not be hidden but immediately a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an unclean spirit oh i'm reading out of my esv sorry stephen look on the screen you guys I brought my Bible, but I had it written here. Our senior pastor uses New King James Version predominantly. So So verse 25, for a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children, that would be, the Jewish people, the people in covenant, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now, he's not calling this woman and her daughter the dogs. He's just saying the priority, it's like if you're at your dinner table, your priority is to feed yourself. Now, if there's any less over, anyone have dogs? Did anyone think their dogs are as great as people? dogs are awesome. Pets are awesome, but they're limited. You're never going to see an orangutan driving a Cadillac. You're not going to see it. It's just not going to happen. There's limitations. So in this text, they're just kind of modeling that the priority is to the people that the promise is for. And then if there's any scraps left over, you can throw some to to the, the dog under the table. It's not calling her a dog. It's just saying the priority at this point is to who those we're in covenant and the promise. If God didn't keep his promises and do things like he said he was going to do, we wouldn't trust him. So he's not trying to be mean. He's just, this is what the word of God says and he's got to be faithful to his word. But listen to this. Let the children be fed first. For it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered him and said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. This woman had faith. She was saying, Even the dogs get the crumbs, I'll take the crumbs, I'll take anything. When Jesus came on the scene, remember that woman that was bent over 18 years? He said, That's too long for that. Be healed today. That's our God. He wasn't going to be motivated by the realms of things. He said, Be healed. Your faith has made you well. And here in this text, he said to her, For this saying, for her even saying, We'll take even the crumbs. Can we just be healed? Will you heal her? He said, Going your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. Praise God. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone and her daughter lying on the bed. Praise God. He has kept a covenant. He has kept his word and he has brought healing to you and I today. Rebecca, would you come? We're going to close out. Whew. I want to address more the condemnation. The, I feel, because the curse is has to do with the law. You trying to measure up. That was the cursed place. You trying to produce the fruit and... and and appear a certain way before the Lord and do your, all of this. And it's especially vulnerable for those who are, have a personality for perfectionism. Do I have any perfectionists in the house of God? Thank you for raising your hands. God sees you. And so this is a vulnerable place sometimes for you. If you feel like I didn't measure up this week, Now, the voice of God would say, I love you, beloved. My kindness is for you this morning. But the voice of the adversary would come and say, you're awful. There's a big difference between you're awful and let's work on that. Amen. The spirit of the living God comes gently, tender mercy, loving kindness. He comes to beckon you into a place with him. The adversary comes to hold you down to keep you defeated, to spend days lingering in condemnation and, and fear and feeling like at the, at the base that you're not worthy for God to use. You're not worthy. The promises are not for you. If you could measure up, they could be for you. But they are for you this morning. The spirit of the living God would say the promises are for you today. So let's bow our heads. I'm going to pray over you. Heavenly Father, we thank you first and foremost that you are a covenant-keeping God. Thank you, Lord, for coming in your shed blood to confirm your promises over us today. Jesus, in the posture of this atmosphere, we just want to come before you, Lord. We posture ourselves before you right now. Holy Spirit, speak to your people where there have been roots of condemnation and um, defeat lingering on your people, questioning their very worth before you. Lord Jesus, would you come and wash over your people? You covenant-keeping God, you gracious God, touch hearts right now. It's not your performance that justifies you. You are right before the Lord because of Jesus. You are in right standing before Jesus this morning. If you call him savior, you belong to him. I just say as white as snow, though our sins were a scarlet, Lord, that you are just cleansing us white as snow. Performance and trying to measure up and manage an image. You must go in the name of Jesus.